0: Three, two, one, and we're back. And it is a very special day for mm-hmm. me and my very, very pretty and cute wife. Mm-hmm. Today is our thirtieth wedding anniversary. That's
1: right, September fifteenth.
0: Some of you don't know, and I realize some of you don't care, but Julie and I have been married for thirty years today. Yes, and uh, we met. I'm fifty-one, and Julia's. Um, I'm not allowed to say Slightly her age. younger. Slightly slightly younger. She's 35 forever. But we met when we were in high school, and she was a sophomore and I was a junior. You Mm -hmm. guys can now do your math and figure out her age. Yep. (laughs) And uh, we got married basically – well, we were right out of college in essence, but we got engaged while we were still in college. And uh, Julie has a list of all the businesses, because real estate coaching and what we've done prior to what you guys know us for, it was not the first business that we um, you know we built and sold. So Julie's actually created a, you know, we believe in numbers and we believe in accountability. So we have an accountability report for you guys of all the things we've done, mostly professionally in the last 30 years. And oh my gosh, 30 years really does seem like a long time. We were just
1: talking about this. Some of this we had kind of uh, not really forgotten about, but you know, it's been a while. So uh, let's see. Starting with the detailing business, which I think we kind of started in high school, but certainly um, were in it during much of college. So let me
0: just let me edit that. So when we were in um, high school, what we would do on Friday and Saturday night would we would we created a little flyer that was a little advertisement, and Julie and I would go to all the nice restaurants in town and not go to eat, but go to basically flyer the nice cars that were in the parking lot. Oh,
1: you mean like. Proactively generation. Yeah, we were proactively
0: <laughs> the generation so, generating. So we knew where all the nice restaurants were. And we and we did this very, very, very consistently, even when it was cold out, which we were from Columbus, Ohio. So that was often. And we put flyers on their cars. And we were very strategic on what cars we'd flyer because we quickly figured out that if you know we were putting a flyer on a nice Mercedes, chances are they had one or two other nice Mercedes or I what have right you. right about that. And, and we were. And we so we would go into a, a big um, you know parking lot and we just look for the nice cars. We'd flyer the nice cars. And lo and behold, we started getting calls from a lot of doctors, a lot of business owners, and they would certainly share our names. And we built a very, very profitable car cleaning and detailing business. It was called the Auto Spa, and we built that when we were in high school. And then um, I took a year off of it when I went away to Ashland University, and then I came back and we restarted that business. And that business grew while we were still in college to over $100,000 a year. And we ended up having a staff of three people. But when we got into real estate, and Julie's going to tell you about our next mm-hmm. business, we got into real estate, we didn't have anyone to buy the business, and we didn't want to continue to run the business. So we ended up giving the business away to one of our biggest competitors. And um, then we were able to, in some cases, have some of those real estate clients actually, I'm sorry, some of those car cleaning and detailing clients, um, became real estate clients. One business led to the other.
1: Yes. And as such, eventually that led to real estate. And some of our first real estate clients were actually car cleaning and detailing business clients said, because yeah. we sent them letters of introduction, you know, proactively generation, and called and prospected. And some of our first transactions were with those folks. And because we were in real estate, of course, that led to the rental properties, the property management, uh, which many of those, all think well, about we, those we still own.
0: We bought, yeah, we bought our first investment property when we were 22 and 23 while we we're still in college. Uh, We may or may not have used some student loan money for that. I don't remember. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's what actually, that's one of the only properties we ever bought that we sold that we should have kept because that would have been an incredible long-term investment. But that uh, property business, then then we got into residential real estate. It wasn't that long after buying our first property that we realized that we wanted to get in the real estate industry. And ironically, one of our car cleaning and detailing customers was the one that suggested that we get real estate licenses.
1: Yes, indeed. And that led to Powerhouse, which was an interesting experiment.
0: Well, so we were given the opportunity to be founding members of a YEO YPO uh, chapter in um, Columbus, Ohio. So our real estate business was going really well. We had, you know, sold 100 houses our first year. This is again when we were our early 20s. We are on. Um, this is back before the internet, guys. This was back basically in the uh, early to mid 90s. And at that point, we had a lot of national attention, and and we were sort of becoming local celebrities in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, for having accomplished what we did, and we are invited to be founding members of this new chapter of the YEO, YPO, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's a very, very prestigious, especially YPO is a very prestigious invite-only organization, and YEO stood for Young Entrepreneurs Organization, and we helped to launch that, and that is still in force today.
1: Yes, indeed, and of course, then we got into coaching. Oh, powerhouse! Well. Oh, powerhouse! Yes. Yep. So
0: through the YEO contacts, we were able to then start a national real estate company. Um, and I'm this is the, you guys will think I'm reaching, a, you know, going ahead in my skis, but this is what happened. We had in contract thirty of the largest, most profitable real estate teams, and they were all going to basically be under this brokerage that we we're going to start. Very similar to the Compass model, basically, is what we were doing. Uh, basically, the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had already had it all set up. Um, We had all these teams that had signed on to agreements to be part of this new brand called Powerhouse. We were going to provide the tech tech infrastructure and the brokerage infrastructure. We were getting licensed in all the states in which they were located. And we had um, lined up uh, all kinds of different um, funding rounds. And one of the last funding rounds we had was going to value the company somewhere between seventy-five and hundred million dollars, which at the time when Julie and I were still in our twenties, that would have given us a net worth of over fifty million dollars based on our equity in the brand, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty exciting today. Yeah. And um, so we had the first round, the second round, all lined up. The second round was they signed their deal documents. Their money was, and we had a board of directors. We had a team of people working for us. We had lease space. You know, we had a lot of this fixed cost and the company itself was still in the the formidable stages, so it wasn't producing any revenue. So we actually had another round of financing set up that was a huge round of financing. And after that, we probably would have gone public. But as the people were about to sign their agreements to basically provide us for, I think it was like $15 million, and this was again back in the 90s they uh, backed out because the tech bubble uh, blew up and all their investments that were tied to the success of the investments they had done for other startups all basically evaporated inside 48 hours.
1: So it was exciting while it lasted and then a little bit of bad timing. But I think that that gave, I remember all of those meetings and I think that was a really good, uh, experience training. business-wise and training and how all of that stuff works and certainly great uh, connections.
0: And we us. still kept, obviously our real estate business kept humming mm-hmm. along. We sold between 100 and 200 houses a year for about 10 years. And then what happens by accident, our coaching business took off. And we were at a Howard Britton conference. Howard mm-hmm. was thinking about offering coaching. Howard mentioned from stage that he wanted to start a coaching program. And I'll never forget this. He said, at break, you know, there's going to – I want anyone who's interested in talking with me about coaching to come up and throw your uh, card on the uh, stage and we'll collect them and we'll give you a call. And I don't know how many people are in the audience. I remember it being like a couple thousand. It may not have been that number. But I do remember essentially every single buddy – every single human was throwing a business card a on the stage. Scene. It was a mob scene. And Julie and I were in the back of the room, and seeing this happen, realized what we were watching as transformative something that was happening in the real estate industry. I think you could actually
1: see the light bulbs go off over our heads.
0: Yeah, and we started having people start asking us, like, we didn't even know what the hell coaching was, right? This is a true story. This was 1998, basically. No, but we had
1: written our zero to 10 million in one year book.
0: Yeah, we had written a book, and uh, it's no longer published. And so Remax had us go on... Um, a national tour after our first year, we were meeting with different offices and brokerages and whatnot. We wrote a book um, and the book was basically a massive three ring binder. (laughs) It wasn't a book like you would think. Um, But anyway, so yeah, we had a whole bunch of people come up and ask us if we could be their coach at this event. And some of those people that came up and asked us are still coaching clients, if you can believe that. That's Michael real. and Robin, Gordon, and there's some mm-hmm. other people that are still in our orbit. There were coaching clients from all the way back in the late 90s. And I remember the first client we took on, oh, I didn't know, I mean, I was their coach and I didn't know what the heck I was supposed to do, but they liked whatever we were doing oh, that's right. because exactly. they stayed with us.
1: And we had a lot of content to work with from having done the zero to 10 million uh, stuff And of course, eventually, coaching led us to podcasting. It started with the daily motivational message we used to send out, and then that became podcasting. So the
0: real estate business we sold, and then when we had the opportunity to expand so the coaching business started to take off. It got to the point where we had to make a choice because it's really difficult to be good at two things. You know, you could be mediocre at two things, but not great at two things. And so we had to choose one, and we chose coaching, and thank God we did, frankly. Mm -hmm. And that led, the, led us to the opportunity to then to choose in the country where we wanted to live, and we chose someplace with no snow. Yes, several <laughs> so, times. So we sold several times. depending <laughs> so, where we live now. In Puerto Rico. So we sold the real estate business, um, and then um, we moved. And from there, the coaching business really went to the next level. And for a while, Julie and I did work for another coaching organization for about four years. And then we restarted our coaching organization in 2007. And since then, we've written books. We've become the number one daily podcasters. Yes. We've had all this other success, so mm-hmm. the question I ask, I have for you, yeah, is we've done all that, and oh, and we, you know, Zoe's came come into our lives. Yes. We've moved personally how many times?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think I'm kind <laughs> of like fifteen. And we've also we figured out that we have lived through at least four recessions, two significant real estate booms, uh, a significant, of course, real estate crash, and of course this crazy time that we live in now. And then all that has led also to exp, all of our friends there. And collectively, you and I have done over... We stopped counting like five years ago when we were at 100,000 coaching calls apiece, so I don't even know how many it is. but uh, And of course, our most recent 60-day U.S. tour of the country where we met with lots of coaching clients and of course family and lots of fun things along the way. 22 states and as you mentioned, one kid plus your mom.
0: Plus my mom, yeah. And now we're living in Puerto Rico at the Ritz-Carlton. And what's really, I think, especially um, interesting about our past 30 years together... Which I didn't necessarily appreciate then, but I appreciate now. And I mm-hmm. told you this yesterday or the day before when we were going on a walk. Mm-hmm. Is that when we were in high school we read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yes. And I remember like, you know, Think and Grow Rich gave us some very and, and frankly we're listening to a lot of Doctor Laura, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had some founding principles, some some real bedrock uh, you know, rules to follow that we were going to govern our lives by, and we never deviated. And I remember there are several specific ones with regards to Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill. That um, had we not read that book or had we not been, had not read that book many, many times, which we ended up doing, because mm-hmm. every time you read it, you get something new because you're just maybe not ready for the lesson that you're supposed to be learning. Yeah.
1: When you read it in your 20s, it's completely different than even five years after that.
0: But there's there's a set. There's certain you know value sets that came from mm-hmm. not just the book, but our life uh, last 30 years together. And and you and I started to think about what those were. And like I'll tell you one of the first things, guys, is, you know, and let's make this somewhat personal. Right. Because we're fine. talking about our anniversary. Yep. Like I'll tell you something. We've people ask us all the time how you guys been able to form, you know, your real estate business to your coaching company together. At this time, it's just muscle memory for Julie and I because we've done it so many times. Mm-hmm. You know, when we enter into a business opportunity, at this point, we just basically are asset managers. We manage the assets, which are different businesses. And right now, we have seven different businesses, and for the most part. We're proactively involved in all of them, but it's not as, in, as 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 if we're working in them. We work. They've been uh, developed. They we man- developed. We manage the managers at this yes. point, or we oversee things. We looked at the They've KPIs every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the you know one of the things we've learned from doing that is the multiple spokes rule. And one of the rules we set for ourselves when we first got married was we wanted to have seven different income spokes that were not necessarily overly dependent on each other and the benefit of doing that was not only now the spokes that we started out creating would have been obviously real estate sales and the investment properties and we were doing some other things to try to income create income sources but one of the things, and, th- and that is not in conflict with do one thing well, you can't do two things well. Because what the one thing well what we did when we sold real estate was selling real estate. We sold between 100 and 200 homes per year for almost 10 years, right? We sold 100 houses our first year. And then we pivoted and we got into coaching. We wanted to become the best at being at that. When we got into other things, we wanted to be the best at doing that. But one of the founding principles, not only was multiple spokes, was always run your business with profit first. Absolutely. And that's the hardest thing to do, and that's the one thing that's not being taught that's going to result in just tons of real estate roadkill, especially if the market starts to shift.
1: Yeah, and I think that one of the principles that we coach our coaching clients on is to be very serious and you know, develop one spoke well before you add another one. Yep. And so, you know, we didn't just go doing, you know, different things while we were building the real estate practice. I mean, I think a little bit of the rental properties, but that went hand in hand.
0: Yep. That's Other passive that, for the most part. Pretty
1: passive. So yes. And then to keep your, what already is working for you, in our case, the real estate, um, you know, sales, while we were developing coaching, to not abandon the spoke, you know, it's it should be in addition to not instead of.
0: Right. And like, so if someone asks me, how did you guys do it? I don't think they're really looking for an answer, to be honest with you. Yeah. But what they're asking really is how have we been able to go from what seems like one success to the next? And, and I'll give you the answer to that one is because we've never expected anything other than one success to the next. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a mental Rubik's Cube, but let me make it simpler for you. Why is it that people think that you have to have uh, essentially highs and lows in your life? Why is it people, why is you, you know, it's almost like in this uh, American sort of entrepreneurial zeitgeist that the, when you watch some sort of you know motivation video, people always start out by talking about how they were doing really great and all of a sudden basically yeah, they're living in a shit show and lost it all. Why is it that that seems to be almost the expected norm Where that's voluntary, and that's one of the things that Julie and I realized early on is that we did not have to go from feast to famine, or from emotional highs to emotional lows, or from marital, uh, you know, things working great in our marriage to basically things not working great in our marriage. We realized that by having, so let's just make this personal. When you're married for this long, (laughs) and longer, Mm -hmm. the nature of your relationship changes. It ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. The nature of, for example, just keeping it real, like when you first get married obviously it's a lot of passion it's a lot of sex it's a lot of things like that even before you're married yeah, yeah. well not well, not in our case not <laughs> in our case right but so then basically as, as as you as you progress maybe then you have kids and then the priority changes to the kids or maybe you decide to focus on business but as long as you've got that the idea that you're in it for the long haul as long as you got the, the the goal or the expectation that sometimes like the intensity of a relationship or the intensity of business success or the intensity of how much you know passion you're feeling in life. It doesn't always have to be at a high point because a lot of what uh, essentially kills potential is people's unwillingness to, and this sounds a little harsh, but it's true, to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level in business, in some cases in your personal life.
1: Yes, and but I think that that comes down to another founding principle, whether we knew it or not, but that was having common goals. And really talking about staying in the going in the same direction and
0: not quitting too soon. I mean, we're fire hosing them, but really these things are all true. We really well, do need. To these condense are our it. thoughts from need, thirty right, years. Exactly, but we need to condense this into a list. Sure. But the, what I was saying in essence mm-hmm. is that quitting too soon is the killer of all yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you get married and you are uh, bouncing off the walls, and all you want to do is just be with your spouse, and it's just a it looks like some sort of you know, 1980s, you know, thing with Meg Ryan and uh, Mm -hmm. what's his name? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, right? So it's constant, oh my gosh, whatever, whatever. If that's your expectation for how how your marriage is going to be, you won't stay married. It just doesn't work like that because life doesn't operate like that. Life's gonna hand you sometimes months and years worth of hardship that you're gonna to have to work through, but it's from the hardships of working through that you build something that's truly extraordinary. And that's, again, keeping this practical for the sake of you guys who are listening for the sake of building your real estate businesses. That's especially true when it for comes sure. to, now, here's an interesting paradox to that, or I think maybe a, a way of looking at it from another perspective. Another mistake that people often will make Is they stay on the wrong path for too long, and unfortunately, I think that sometimes, um, and I and we've seen this with some of our friends when their marriages start to fray. It's because they didn't do what Julie just said, uh, share have common goals. You can have individual goals, but if your individual goals outnumber your uh, communal family goals, you're screwed, straight up. Because you're 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 no longer
1: conflict. You have built in conflict.
0: Right. You have to again. It's hard to do more than one thing one one thing well. Right. So, when Julie and I, I mean, I'm looking at our board right now, we have personal goals. We have Harris coaching goals and we have Libertas goals. And so, when we write all these goals down, I don't, you know, I'll write a goal down and then Julie and I will talk about it. And if she's not in alignment with whatever that goal is, if I can't sell her something, basically, then we're not going to do it because she's not going to be partners with me in accomplishing that goal. And we can replace that uh, with something else. But sometimes, like when we're when, when we see some, though it's you know it's not something I run into commonly here, to be honest with you. It Seems mm. like a lot of the couples here are on the same page. But in general, in life, if you see two a, a couple, oh, i have seen
1: it in coaching clients.
0: For sure. But if you see a couple that are not pulling in the same direction, they're starting to pull apart because he has her, his goals, she has her goals. That's no longer really a marriage in the traditional sense. That's more of a partnership. And then, you know, you're going to run into all kinds of different sorts of uh, challenges, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that way with having a a, a a marriage that's not really trying to work together as a true, um, you know, what I'm trying to say sure. here. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and
1: I think it's exacerbated when you, with this because this comes up a lot too. When you are uh, trying to nurture your marriage and also running businesses together,
0: or in raising a family, doing all those things sure. together is a real pain and, in the ass. I mean, it's that, true.
1: You know, all going the right direction. yeah. but and then you've got to accept the fact that you're gonna have ups and downs in all of those categories, sometimes, all at once, yep. which is when you feel the most stress. But I think but that you the, won't
0: make it through unless you've basically done the work to right. begin. Right? and
1: I think the belief that you will make it through, right instead of well we'll see how it goes it's the
0: it's you know. the belief that for example like you know it's easy to look at somebody who is successful and say uh, and but not taking into account the literal decades that went up to the point yes. that it took for them to be where you're you're kind of the seeing experience. you're seeing the present version of them, mm-hmm. but you did not see the rough and tumble kind of sketch version of them you know 20 years ago the when bits they're... and
1: pieces that have added up to make them who they are now.
0: Right, and so they stayed the course. They mm-hmm. didn't give up. They stayed true to their commitments. Sure. Um, and you but know, I, I they that... didn't have the expectation that it was going to be um, a short term effort.
1: Right. So they had the expectation that there would be, you know, rocky roads at times, ups and downs. But I think that uh, that by itself isn't necessarily enough. You have to have the belief that it will work out because you will make it work out because you have control of things going your way instead of feeling like something else is always controlling you. Um, I think you and Steve Powers actually touched on this on the interview a little bit. Where you were talking about, or maybe he said, one of you guys said that you have to be all in. You can't be trying it out. You can't be dabbling because the business will eat you up and spit you out.
0: And, but, you know, we're, we're kind of intermixing personal relationship advice. But, but it we're, is intermixed. It is totally the same because what makes for a strong marriage, what makes for a strong, uh, a strong business, are they're kind of the same principles. You know, they're kind well, of. The- it's
1: a similar mindset that being uh, more abundance and less scarcity, being more positive and le- And I've got a podcast I'm working on about positivity. And, you know, that sounds very woo-woo, but uh, actually things that have been studied about people who, as you say, generally believe that tomorrow will be better than today. I think that applies in business and personal and everything that you do. And it is intermixed. And, you know, people that try to separate business and personal when you're in real estate, I think that's very frustrating and creates a lot of stress versus accepting that, yeah, sometimes you're going to be wanting to watch your kid's ballet class and you're going to look at your text and somebody's got a contract coming. That is a fact of life, you know, and accepting that and having enough business sense and and enough flexibility and enough, um, you know, of the right kinds of motivation because you have similar goals that that will work out for you and and figuring out that balance even though i'm not a big fan of the word balance there is some balance to being able to deal with all of those spinning plates there's a sense and that lose your mind
0: replace balance with sense of confidence that's coming from the yeah. you, you've had enough experiences to know that it'll actually work confidence out confidence you, in yourself and confidence in yourself right mm-hmm. i mean you don't have to have all the answers going in because you know that your whatever the future version of you is going to be able to figure it out once you get there
1: Yes. Well, and there's been books written about that, that when people feel stress or fear, it's be, it's not because of the thing that they think it is. It's a fear of not being able to handle something. So if you change that into, I can handle this. I'm a doer. I do things now. I get things done. I can handle this. I will figure it out. I will persevere. And having that confidence, even when you don't feel confident, which is, you know, the... Challenge of it all,
0: but it come. It really does now. come down to not just experience, but it, if you don't mm-hmm. have the experience, mm-hmm. then you have to basically you have to supplement That's the experience with the training and with the education. Because if you, for example, uh, you know, Julie and I just got back from this eight thousand mile sojourn around the country, right? We use G- GPS every step of the way. That's all a coaching and training program is at the end of the day.
1: Yes, but you have to trust the GPS.
0: Yeah, you have to trust exactly. Well, you not only have to trust the GPS. There's a weird number of people out there <laughs> that actually would go out and drive around the country without using GPS and thinking magically somehow they're going to they manifest their rival on time. I mean, yeah. you know, it doesn't work out like that. And e- even if you do have some sort of strange, spidey sense of direction and timing, why would you put yourself through the added stress if you could just follow what the GPS told you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are roads that actually just end. <laughs> and there's we found some of them. Yeah. And there's roads that, you know, it's well, all fine and good, we, uh, and then it turns into gravel.
0: Remember, we were driving on the road up to see Glenn, uh, the CEO, yeah. founder, really, not Blaine, CEO. of it, it, uh, Yeah, Blaine. It was basically, literally on the edge of the United States and Canada. <laughs> and we were driving on this road, and all of a sudden, like, uh, Julie was telling me we need to turn left, and I was sort of kind of listening. And then she said, Stop! And then no, we were I,
1: actually talking to what Brandon. Somebody
0: had I not stopped? Yeah. Ha, yes, right. We were on the phone. Had I not stopped, <laughs> we would have been on a bridge within maybe five car lengths. That once on that bridge, it was a bridge to Canada. In order for us to. We couldn't turn around once on the bridge. We had to have gone straight in Canada, and then somehow basically oh. figured out how to, a way to come back in. And yeah. there were COVID restrictions that were preventing yeah, people. Yeah, once from... you're
1: in, you're not getting out.
0: That's right. So we would have basically been spending some time in Canada.
1: Would have been longer than 60 days. I
0: imagine. I imagine. But that's. But
1: the... the but the point is, okay, we were going north. We were going <laughs> towards Blaine. We had a pin from Glen, but you can't just go on autopilot and expect it's all going to work out. You could have been marooned in Canada had you missed one exit yeah you know so you so that's my point and you kind of have to trust nav once you know that your nav is working and choose well i think i chose well with you
0: yeah likewise the same
1: and and you know i think having that faith at the end of the day
0: yeah and again guys i don't i mean i don't i wanted to keep this practical and tactical and not have it be a big emotional mess you know something Julie and I are always going to reserve for ourselves sorry we're not going to overly share in that category no. ever but the reality of it is, is that um, the bedrock for our long-term success, obviously, is our love and faith in each other, um, and the nature of the love and faith has changed and it's evolved but the only way I can tell you with 100% confidence that it gets better the longer you're married in most cases is because we've been married for 30 years mm-hmm. had you been with us for our first 5 years when we were figuring things out yeah I wouldn't have been so confident and you would have looked at us saying like why the hell did you guys get married so young we had people saying to us what are yeah. you thinking exactly you know, but we stayed true and we stayed true to each other and we stayed true to our common goals. The common goals thing, if there's one takeaway, if you were to ask me, how do you stay married for 30 years? That would be a 100% what it was. Did you see the uh, 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 Kristen um, Ziggy? Ziggy yeah. She sent a picture of two thermometers that yes. she has in the refrigerator. I
1: loved that. that was and great. that
0: was perfect. And so, Visual
1: accountability.
0: Just to describe it.
1: Okay. So I... Don't, I think Don't one was o'clock. GCI, and I think one was uh, volume. And... No,
0: one was GCI, and one was uh, income from revenue share.
1: Oh, that's right. The other one was EXP. So um, so imagine thermometers where, you know, like when they do blood drives, they they uh, color that in to see how much they've raised and that kind of thing. Right. So, it, so it was that kind of thing, only for her, uh, part of it was a real estate thermometer, and the other one was an EXP thermometer, and she was coloring it in. She had benchmarks. She had... Uh, goals built in, and I think it was on her refrigerator. It
0: was. She put. She had two. Th- yeah. She had two large scales, probably three eight and a half by eleven pieces of paper taped together.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, coaching members, it's on um, the Tim and Julie Harris coaching uh, private Facebook page. You can see the this Harris image. The Harris Rules too. The Harris Rules. Yeah, it was awesome. Anyway, so you look at it, and it was on one side was the real estate transactions. It was the number of units that she was going to do to accomplish her goal, and then it was also she when she had a closing, she wrote down the dollar amount and her mm-hmm. her goal. I, wrote, I read at the bottom of her thermometer was, uh, buy lake house or beach house. That yeah, was Yeah, on, and, on,
1: and that was right there in her kitchen in front of everybody, so everyone could invest in and it. she has
0: two kids.
1: Yes, and he, so here's the thing. That was a result of Ziggy not just listening to the podcast about fourth quarter that we did last week, but implementing what she heard. Right. Okay? Um, and I think that, that that's a great example of somebody who is coachable, paying attention, but participating, here- has similar goals, well, and that right there, it.
0: but not only there, she, she and her wife and her two kids mm-hmm. basically have every single day when they look at the refrigerator, they have these two barometers that vi- Ziggy is visually holding herself accountable to for herself and for the rest of her family. And tracking. she's and she's tracking and it's specific, no drill down, you know, Tim and Julie Harris style, no bullshit. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And this is what's going to come as a result. That is how you actually have clarity of thinking. That's how you're, that's a way, not just to say successful in business, but in your personal life it's visual accountability
1: i and there was a little detail that not too many caught on that on the her gci chart she had crossed out the g for gross commission income and wrote in net
0: oh good i didn't see that that's awesome yeah
1: so i mean that really tells you something so yes i think we need to round the bend so you can get on a call or something i'm already
0: late So, so but here's another thing uh our other business, which we didn't mention, was our media syndication business. This podcast mm-hmm. and our book, Harris Rules. If you've got, not, if you've not yet read our book, Harris Rules, you're probably one of the three agents in the country that <laughs> haven't. No, I'm kidding. But you can get Harris Rules at Barnes & Noble and every major bookseller, but do consider just getting it on Amazon. Get the Audible version. I'm sorry, we did not read it. Frankly, we uh, didn't want, really wanna read it. It was. I
1: think the person that did did a killer job. He so.
0: did, he did. And so go ahead and listen to the book and that's gonna give you that sense of direction. That's gonna give you that GPS, those GPS coordinates. And guys, look, uh, working with your spouse is not for everyone, that's true. But when you can uh, uh, work with your spouse Uh, formally like we have forever, that's great. But if you can't or if that just isn't what is a good fit for both people – Then the other way to do it is do copy what Ziggy's done and work with your spouse on the overarching familial goals of what you're all trying to pull for. So Ziggy's real estate goals were then interconnected with the betterment of her family and the betterment of their lives long-term. You guys see how you can do it? So there's the working in your business together, which is what we've done, but there's also the familial business because a family, a well-run family is basically run like a business. And so if you really want to know how to decode, how to basically have long-term ever increasing levels of success the first thing not the only thing but definitely the first thing is to have shared goals and if you guys want to ask us how we've done it for 30 years and how we've you know essentially basically gotten where we've gotten financially how we've done what we've done I promise you that is step number one and after that there's a lot of other things we've talked about on the podcast talking I mean there's all kinds of other head work you got to do then you ought to work on your skill set but rule number one is if you're in a relationship and you want that relationship to last, whether that relationship was with you being partners with somebody and that's the relationship, whether it's uh, partners and you're married to the person, whether it's just partners and part, you guys get the gist. The shared goals thing is critical. And keeping yourself on the track of having those shared goals for long periods of time is incredibly rewarding. Because when you have two people, let alone multiple people that are working towards the same goals, you will blaze through those goals lists so fast you'll realize you're not thinking well, big enough. Which
1: is the other thing. Update your goals all the time. All the time. You know, we've had coaching clients that are like, I, I accomplished everything on my goals list. Woo, Win. That's awesome. When?
0: 1977.
1: <laughs> right. Let's Let's kind of, you know, update <laughs> things, replace things as you achieve them. And again, involve all of your family and your spouse, your partners, etc. So I think that when you boil it down, that's the north star, and everything. When you've done the there, work on there that, are other things, though. obviously but things will fall in place when you have the common. Having
0: problem. a religious underpinning to your relationship mm-hmm. definitely matters. I, I would so. say, there, and again, there's lots of other things we can enter that we'll. We, if you guys are interested, we can talk about. Just you know, email me if you want us to share with you guys more of these things we picked up along the way. Mm-hmm or I'm sorry, just oh, text we're gonna me. We're going to make a little podcast. A just, you can just text me 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206 if you want us to talk more about this stuff. But there's certain things you're going to have to do. Again, we're just, if you guys want us to make it personal, like as far as like uh, taking care of yourselves, your physical appearance mm-hmm. to your spouse, your mental uh, ever-increasing levels of aptitude, um, because then, if, if you stop learning and you so, sort of become a boring person to your spouse, yeah, don't well, be complacent. You, yeah, you have to, your job is to be ever uh, improving for yourself, but also because you made a commitment to your spouse and we're married, mm-hmm. right? So, my job is to keep myself frosty in all categories that matter, but I'm doing it for me, but I'm also doing it for Julie and I'm doing it for our family and I'm doing it for all of you. And so there is no done. There's always evolving. There is no complacency. That's a fake word because if you become complacent, you lose what you have really at the end of the day. So let us know, guys. And Julie and I are going to run short on the podcast today because it is our anniversary. We're giving ourselves yeah, a break. That's right. So, sweetie, I love you. I love you Come too. here and give you a kiss. There we go. <laughs> happy, anniversary. happy anniversary. Yep. <laughs> Let's see. Is Zoe going to give us an anniversary present? Yeah, hopefully it's just getting her homework done without trying to kill us tonight. (laughs) All right, you guys have a great day. And thank you for bearing with us as we uh, bear our 30-year anniversary uh, secrets to you. And again, if you want us to talk more about personal stuff, just text us. Otherwise, we're getting back to core real estate training tomorrow.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.